Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Hey there, church leader. Welcome into another episode of Rescuing Churches, the official podcast for 614 Ministries. I guess that does mean there's an unofficial one somewhere. Somewhere Josh is doing it on the slide behind our backs. On the sides. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of rescuing churches, we have a new cool way to describe what we do on our webpage. We do. Yeah, so we would encourage you guys to look at the homepage of our webpage. At 614ministries.org. Yeah, and how we do what we do is in the acrostic rescue. So we would like you to look at that at some point. That's true. It is. Yep. See how we renew and encourage and support, communicate, unite, and evaluate churches. Wow, you got all that right, right off the top of your head. I'm impressed. <laughs> you didn't think I could do it. I'm really saw impressed. It. I saw your eyes rolling around in your head wondering, if, can that old man remember those words? Let's give him a $5 raise, Mike. Yep. Let me introduce myself in case it's your first time listening to the show. I'm your host and friendly neighborhood communications director, Josh. I'm joined by my one and only co-host, Stan, who has an incredible memory. He also happens to be my dad. <laughs> Our producer, Silent Michael Howard, is here, faithfully manning the knobs at Mission Control, making sure everything remains in geosynchronous orbit over there. Always thankful. Today, we want to touch on this topic of trendiness versus traditionalism. Wow, those are big words. They're really big words, but... You, C student. You wrote the you wrote the podcast. So since you wrote the podcast, tell us what you're talking about there. <laughs> okay. I wrote it and then you changed the wording. I did change good. the wording. Yeah, because it made better sense to you. Because I'm the communicator. Yeah. So in essence, our culture is changing at extremely rapid paces. I'm a little over sixty years old now. And Oh, really? That's I know. Terrifying. Yeah. So yeah. But I was gonna say really old, but yeah. I stopped. Yeah, I remember when, you know, there was no such thing as a microwave. <laughs> um, there was no such thing as a cell phone. Um, I remember all those days. Uh, my Our original TV, when I was a kid, you couldn't get a color TV until um, I was a little bit older. Um, our first TV was black and white, and that was the coolest thing to have was a black and white TV. Eventually, color came along. Now, your generation can't relate to any of that. <clears throat> and the generation younger than you... Even more so because things change so fast, right? Um, we just had a we've had a rough year as a, <laughs> a church from Alabama with our Alabama football team this year. We've not done as well as normal, so we've lost two games. Oh, ooh, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong? It's terrible. With our, what's wrong with our team? Um, but one of the teams we lost to was uh, Tennessee because Tennessee's had a phenomenal year this year. Um, and I remember when that when we were coming into that game, everybody was saying the 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 iPhone was not even invented the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. 
That's right? amazing. I know. You look back and go, wow, the iPhone wasn't even invented at that time. Especially since we're all on the iPhone 14 now. Correct. So, it's been a while. So, and congratulations to Tennessee for squeaking out a win over our struggling team this year. Yeah, so. we'll just edit that out of the podcast. Later. <laughs> but all that to say, things change really fast now. Th- things are moving at a much more rapid pace. You see a lot of changes. It, we were just talking uh, between podcasts here. Um, I mean, my phone tells me it wants to update itself every few days. And oh, my the, gosh. The software updates itself, you know, and then and then – some button that used to be here moved over there. You know, it used to be at the bottom of the screen. Now it's at the top of the screen. Now like, you sound like you're 60 years old. Yeah. I'm like, what are y'all doing? And what was wrong with the button where it was? <clears throat> right. So, so we we live in this world where things are changing fast and your generation and the younger generation expects all that. Right. My generation. I'm good with the button moving. My generation, not okay with some of that. It's like, wow, come on. Can we just, can you just leave it alone for a little bit? Do we have to keep changing everything? So within a church, within a small church, a community church, you're going to have both generations there where the younger generation um, is is expecting the church to begin changing and adapting to things. And the older generation is going to be like, why do we have to do all that stuff, right? So, so you have these, <clears throat> you have these two blended cultures now. And what happens in some churches um, is we begin to change the wrong stuff. Uh, we get caught up in the trends, hence hence your trendiness word, right? We get caught up in the trends of our culture, um, and we start changing things that are culturally trendy, but we eventually violate some doctrinal things. And if we're not careful... Um, and, and there are churches all over America that are struggling with this balance, I've noticed. Um, <clears throat> we have to evidence a willingness to adapt and change, but we also have to maintain a standard of doctrinal truth, of, of understanding what the Scriptures are, the inerrancy of Scripture, and we have to hold our line, our doctrinal lines very stable. Our teaching has to remain stable if our trending around us is, is changing. And when that happens, both generations get the stability of solid Bible teaching, solid Bible church, solid biblical values, solid Christ-like, Christ-centered church. That creates stability in a church, even if it's making a lot of different changes. Does that make sense? So uh, churches that are determined to—but then you take a church that says, well, our standard— our biblical standards are this, but we don't want to change. So you take a church that says, we're, we're going to just keep doing things the way we've always done them. Um, those churches aren't going to last much longer in our culture today. What we would call traditional model churches um, that literally don't want any contemporary music or any kind of digital praise, media. praise team band, digital media or whatever, they're not going to last very much longer. It, here's the real simple example. We can use our own <clears throat> example of this. A church that will not accept offering through plastic, right? Through a credit card, um, through a what's the thing we do on our webpage? Um, you can you can give through the website now, uh, PayPal, Pay, Push Pay, whatever it is. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Um, <laughs> so, but but there's there's ways to give digitally. That's what I'm trying to think of. There's ways to give digitally to our church, and we've had that for a number of years now. Churches that refuse to do that say, hey, if you're going to give to our church, it's going to be cash 
or a check in our offering plate that we pass during service. On Sunday only. That's how you do it, yep. right? That church isn't going to be around very much longer. There's still, still a lot of those out there. <laughs> I get that. But but you're putting an extreme amount of stress on your church members to remember to bring a check or checkbook and their cash, right? Um, in an age when that's no longer traveled, people don't keep that with them anymore. Exactly. Um, so, so it's really just that simple change. And even, even our church this past week finally went to one of the scan modules. QR codes. QR code. Thank you very much. I knew it didn't have a clue what that was called. Um, but we went to a QR code that's on our screen. Um, so during our offering, we can have a QR code up there and people can give that way if they haven't already signed up some other digital way to give to us. Yep. Um, Just whip out your cell phone. Now that's a cultural change. That's that's trending. <laughs> gotcha. Right? That's trendiness. Yes, it is. It's not traditional, but it's necessary for us to stay you know, a, a thriving church with an ink with with people able to donate to us. Culturally relevant, but doctrinally pure. Oh, that's exactly one of our values. Pretty, aren't you? Aren't you paying pretty attention? Pretty sure that's on a website somewhere. You're paying very good attention to that. So, um, what, what I want to just emphasize here is there's a danger in getting lost in trendiness, trying to keep up with some of that stuff, um, and letting yourself compromise in certain other areas the the methodist church be a really good example of this um bless their hearts the the methodists have gone through this massive split in the last two years um where where they wanted to be very culturally relevant and trendy and they got caught up in uh trying to minister to the lgbt community and all that other stuff um and not be insensitive to that. And a number of the churches decided they didn't want to hold to the core values of the traditional, the um, older Methodist church. The older Methodist line says, we believe the Bible's inspired by God and what it says it says and what it says it means. And we're not going to waver from that. Well, another generation of people came along and said, Nah, not so much. We want it to say what we want it to say. And we don't know that it's inspired. We just think it's some good teaching. Well, now the Methodists, bless their hearts, and I've way oversimplified that. I will tell you just candidly, I've watched probably 20 hours of um, Methodist leaders and and pastors from every side of that thing talking about what they've done and why they did it. Um, and my heart breaks for what's happening there. But it's part of the, the culture that we're in with churches now. I want to offer 614 to any of those Methodist churches that want to stay um, strong in their faith and traditional and hold to traditional core values of scripture. Um, if you don't have good help around you and leadership, if you've pulled out of the Methodist church, over 40% have put in the request to pull out at the last time I read it. I think it's probably way over 60 now, but when I was uh, looking at some older documents, about 40% of Methodist churches have asked to be removed from the Methodist denomination, the United Methodist denomination, um, and there's the, the denomination of the Methodists are splitting into at least two f- factions, um, the global and then the progressive. And that's all very painful to watch um, because it's weakening the message of the gospel every way you turn. And what happened is they let the trendiness of society and culture pull them under the undercurrents to the point that they, they dropped all their stability of biblical values. Mm. Um, and that's just terribly unhealthy. So um, 
So churches have to hang on to that. They have to have their their core doctrine. And, and we would say, we actually have a couple that have reached out to us, but we would say to any of our Methodist churches within the earshot of our podcast, um, if you're in a Methodist church that's already started the process of pulling out of your denomination, but you don't know how you're going to help establish an independent church, we have friends that can help you do that. We have plenty of resources um, that'll come alongside you and help you do that. Um, when I say resources, I mean p- teams and people resources. Um, we'll help you get get started in where you want to go uh, as a church. So, but at the same time that's happening, you know, Josh, you've got these people looking into the looking at that, saying how unstable is these are these people of faith? I mean, we thought they had faith so they would be stable which means the rest of us that are stable, we need, to, we need to hold to the confessions of our faith, to quote the book of Hebrews. We need to hold fast to the confessions of our faith and stand up for what the scriptures do mean. And I think pastors, on the other side of this, pastors have to be willing to take stands at times. Pastors have to be willing to speak the truth, even to congregations that are wrestling and divided. You got to just... Put your foot down on the scriptural side of things and say, look, I know this is hurting some of y'all's feelings. I know some of you have children that are caught up in some sin that this is going to offend or whatever. But we have to stand on truth. And when we stand on truth and stand for what's right, now God can favor and bless and help us, even if it means shrink us. Make, make truth a non-negotiable, in other words. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And our culture is terrible at that. We, we've let our culture... The nature of our culture is to play word games with us now. You, I know you've noticed all that because you're, your journalism mind and you're a wordsmith. You're the wordsmith of my house. So, but we we play games with words all the time now. Like like this big word that came sweeping through a few years ago. Everybody needs to be tolerant. We got to be tolerant of all this stuff in our culture that's immoral. Tolerant of all this immorality. Well, that's not scriptural to be tolerant of immorality. It's scriptural to be tolerant of people that are in immorality, but not the immorality. Exactly. And and the the people that are in the immorality, when we say we don't agree with you, now they're saying you're being intolerant. No, I'm not. I have not once come over to your house to stop you from being immoral, right? I'm telling you it's wrong because the Bible says I should tell you that to save your life and your soul. But I'm not intolerant of you. I'm intolerant of your immorality, right? It's very different. Now we're preaching. And we're trying to help people understand how to quit playing word games with us, exactly. right? And and our culture's gotten really big on that. Um, when I preached that series a while back, um, the family series, where we talked about, and this is a big part of our culture now, is whatever you feel is the reality of your life. If I feel like I'm a female, then I'm a female. You know, if I feel like... I'm a male. I'm a male. No, it doesn't matter what my gender really is. That's just not accurate. And I put that out to our church very clear that you cannot allow your children to be raised by believing their feelings are accurate. We use scripture to back all that up. Um, there's lots of places where David felt like God had forsaken him, but God never forsook him once. So, so when you when when I preached that to our church, I had so many pa- parents come up to me and say, "Man." That was really, really strong, but really helpful to me to know what to stand on. So it created, I'm just telling you how we use the scriptures to create this stable place that says the culture is going to, your kids in school are going to be challenged on this all the time. They're going to have friends that say, you know, I feel this way so I can be this way. Well, they can say, no, just your feelings don't define reality. 
they can say that based on real truth. Um, and some pastors just need to be far more courageous than they have been. Um, and we'll go back to what we talked about in our last uh, episode. Um, you know, Pat, the, the generation that's out there is looking for somebody that will stand up for something. They're looking for that authenticity, but they're also looking for people of courage and people that will stand up. Paul tells Timothy, you know, I want you to fight the good fight of faith, right? He says in another passage, be strong like a soldier. Timothy, as a pastor, has to have some fight in him, has to have some some courage in him like a soldier, has to have some discipline and some willpower, like a, he actually says, like a good soldier, not just any soldier. So... I would say to you, our pastors really need to hold to their confession of faith, anchor that down, and and get their board members, their co-workers, their co-staff signing off on it. Hey, we're not going to let the culture dictate anything about how we do anything. Um, Now, we may be sensitive to our culture, i.e., how our people give, i.e. people love big screens in our sanctuary. Um, you know, we've put screens down some of our hallways now. So, you know, we can, we can let the culture have some. We, we put coffee in the fellowship or in the sanctuary. You know, that's a cultural thing. It happened in our culture. The big fancy churches started doing it and it kind of washed into everything else. Coffee shops became like the craze of our society. Um, you know, I can't imagine my mother ever believing you should pay $6 for a cup of coffee. Um, my mother would have thought that was the dumbest thing ever. But in our culture, that's a normal thing. So we, we've allowed some of that cultural trendiness to be part of our church without it moving our doctrine away from anything. Does that make sense? Yep. So as, as a younger person, as in a younger mindset, and you're the, you're the tech guy for our church, um, you see the need for technology, right? The need, uh, I mean, your whole little spiel is that the, the front door of our church is social media, right? And, and you, you run Instagram, which is very cultural trendy, you know, for us. You, you run this, all the social media that we have. So, and, but that, that keeps us in a trending place without being violating our traditions. Um, It's, it's a pretty strong balance that the pastor has to come up with in that. Um, But at the end of the day, the end of the day, every pastor has to be able to stand hard on the truth and then love the community on top of all that. Right. So hold fast to that community. Um, the only hope the community has in our society, the only hope the community has is if the church will hold to the truth of the scriptures and bring those truths into their homes and help them with it. That's the only, the only hope the community has, right? The government, social media, um, socialized anything from the government is not going to help the community like the truth of the word of God. And all of us know it. We just got to stand on it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Culturally relevant, doctrinally pure. That's very good. Very good. One of the things I want to say before you sign off for us is we're looking forward to an upcoming Shepherd Summit um, 2023. We want to have uh, some of you guys, pastors and lay leaders, church servants, uh, as part of um, a, a conference that we do here. We do it in Mobile. 
at Northside Bible Church, and we've done it for the last couple of years. Been very helpful, very successful, and very encouraging. We've got two guys lined up, uh, one from South Carolina, Dale Sellers, and one from Long Island, New York, uh, Mike Rubino. Uh, we've got them and their families coming in, two magnificent teachers who love the small church, who minister to small church leaders, and they're going to come in and share some amazing stuff for us. We believe it's going to be the first or second weekend of March. We're trying to land that date this week, so by the time the next podcast comes around, we'll give you the date specifically. Josh, I'm sure we'll do something really cool on social media as soon as it hits, and we can start inviting you. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we're working on having some nice gifts for you guys. We love giving our pastors some nice things when they come. Uh, we're look, looking to do some fun things, depending on how the weather goes, uh, for you and with you and your family. So um, you guys be paying attention to all that and be a part of our Shepherd Summit. It's something we love to do um, is to spend some time giving you some good content and a good break and encourage you uh, while you're here. Yeah, we'll make sure to drop those links in the show notes. The Shepherd Summit will show up on our Facebook page, and our website, 614ministries.org. All right, guys, it's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. Hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring as always. I'm Josh. That's Stan, Silent Partner Mike. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.